The object of Taxi Chronicles to tell our real riders with real stories, share their experience and enhance your life. So sit back and enjoy the journey. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode, another rider. Today we have a singer, songwriter and a DJ in the house. It'll be very interesting. His name's Mark. And we're on the way back from his time in New York. So he's a busy man. Nice to have you here today, Mark. Thank you for having me. So tell us, Mark, why singing? Why songwriting? Well, singing is something that runs in my family. So my grandfather on my dad's side was an opera singer. And he was an opera singer in a country called Guyana in South America, which is the only English-speaking country in the whole of South America. And when he came here to the UK, he did try to make it as an opera singer. But unfortunately, in the 1950s, you know, black opera singers were not, you know, wildly welcome with open arms. But he subsequently passed his passion for music on throughout the family. So my dad was a musician and then he met my mum and my mum said, get a serious job. And he became a social worker instead. But he still passed that passion on to me and my sister. And I've sung since I was really, really small. But I have other family members who also sing and have been successful in doing so as well so Jonathan Gill or JB Gill from the boy band JLS is my cousin and so that you can see it runs in there and um, another cousin of mine who's passed away sadly Maxie from the girl group Brownstone is also a family member so oh, yeah I remember Brownstone Wait, yeah. weren't they American group American group yeah but her parental background or ancestry is Guyanese so okay. music's a big big thing in our family so yeah that's one of the reasons why I naturally became a singer I guess so you can you, do you sing opera? I don't, unfortunately. I do have a falsetto range, <laughs> but I'm not an opera singer. No, no, no. I'm more of an R&B singer myself. What's a falsetto range? So falsetto is using your head voice, so opposed to using your chest voice, which would be, you know, like your standard kind of the range that you would have. So an example would be, let me think. So you should let me love you. That would be your chest voice. And if you were to use your head voice, it would be... <clears throat> Uh, let's think. You should let me love you, you and that would be your <laughs> that would okay. be your chest. That would be sorry, your head voice. Yeah. So you've written. What's your name in the? You you've made music. Yeah. I have. Yeah. So have you do you sing your own music or you? you I write do. For other people? So a bit of both. So historically, I've I've performed my own music. Been part of a boy band, and I've you know been on my own as a as a solo artist. As an artist, I, I'm known as Armstrong, because that's my surname. But in terms of songwriting, yeah, I've written songs over the years and worked with many different people. And have to say, I've been very blessed so far in the industry, yeah. What was the, what's your moan, most famous song that you've sung? Most famous song that I've sung? What I've, yeah, that you've made the most successful song, I should say. Ooh, that's a hard one. If you're talking about a song that I've recorded, there was a a dance record I did many years ago called Favourite Girl which was originally sung by an R&B singer called David Hollister yeah, and then yeah and um, I did a version of that with a, a dance outfit called Y Tribe who were most probably best known for a track they did with Elizabeth Troy many years ago so yeah I did that with them and that did really well but then I guess another one that I did actually write on that I sang when I was a wee teenager is a song called If You Need a Man by a group that I was in at the time called Bon Gasson assigned to those who know about the legendary West London nightclub uh, entity called Rotation, who had, you know, legendary R&B nights at a place called Subterranea, and they subsequently had a record label which they signed us to, and it's weird because I was 
many years ago was on the beach in Tunisia, minding my own business, and then suddenly heard my song that I was in with these guys wafting from a cafe, and I'm thinking, I'm all the way in like Africa, and I'm hearing myself yeah. in a cafe. So yeah, that was quite surreal. Oh, yeah, that must that must really stroke your ego. <laughs> I'm a very humble person. I know that might sound quite strange to believe for someone that does music, because often we are tarred with the brush of that, you know, you're all quite egotistical people, but... No, I think it was more a thing of it, it reminded me that music is a worldwide thing and it doesn't matter whether you're from the UK or you're from Tunisia, for example, you know, your music has an opportunity of reaching people all across the world. So that's the one thing that it definitely showed me. Okay, that's good. You've had an extensive music career. What have you learned that you wish you knew when you had started? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. What do I wish I knew now that I should have known then? I think, I, I mean, I was definitely, I think all of us were at the time were very fearless, but I think just taking no for an answer. I think there's something that you see within the children now, the youth of today in music, where they don't care. You know, someone says no, they're like, okay, well, I'm still going to do it anyway. And I think there was an apprehension for us of, of, of my generation where we would try and do something, but because the gatekeepers at the time, which were the major record labels and radio stations, not giving you access, we kind of just went, oh, okay, you know, rather than just saying, no, we're going to create our own scene, which is what these young people have done now. So I would definitely say be more fearless and just kick down more doors, because I think if we had done that collectively, the, the you know, especially black music in the UK would be much further on than it is now. It's amazing to see what they've achieved, but um, yeah, I definitely feel we would have had much more success back then. What age have you been singing since? Uh, literally since I came out the womb, I think. <laughs> no, I've been singing since I was really small. I mean, the earliest time I can recall would be in primary school and singing there. And I'd always sing and perform around the house, but I was quite shy in terms of performing in public. So performing for my family was never an issue, but performing in public was one. So, yeah, I'd mostly say from around, the earliest I can remember would be around five, really singing, singing for people. So your parents, your father and your grandfather have been mm -hmm. the main influence for you? Yes, definitely, from a family point of view. From an artist point of view, I would say that Michael Jackson had a huge influence on me growing up. Okay. Alongside the music that I grew up listening to at home. So, you know, mum and dad playing, you know, on a Sunday morning, which is typical in most black households growing up. You would hear your parents playing certain songs. So people like, you know, Luther Vandross, Sam Cooke, you know, Teddy Pendergrass, because that's one of my dad's favourite singers of all time. So yeah, a lot of kind of like the classic soul R&B singers of, of the day is something that I grew up listening to, and they've had a profound influence on, on me as an artist. Okay. For a younger person who's trying to break into the industry, what would be your word of advice for them? Never give up. I'd say never give up, keep going. Study your craft. I think sometimes for a lot of young people, they and I don't mean this to be in a patronising way, but because of the way that the industry set up now in terms of the fact that, you know, everything's pretty much led digitally, there is a kind of sense for some young people to think that they don't need to do much work. And what they fail to understand is no matter what you do, in order for you to be successful, you have to work hard at it. So you have to put the time in in the studio. You should understand who are the producers, who are the songwriters, and 
as I said, yeah, really hone your craft and don't. And also to do with your social media as well, because you've got to think to yourself, you know, your social media is almost like a shop front window. You know, you're selling a product. So putting up a post of, I don't know, some nonsensical stuff that has nothing related to your music at all, you know, is not really going to further your career. So it's, it's about really understanding what you're doing. And I, I, one thing that I just want to say is this. What everyone needs to understand, young or old, no matter who you are, if you're trying to make it in music, is it's called the entertainment industry, the music industry. It has that industry end on it for a reason, which means it's a business. And so it's really important that they all remember that because I think far often they don't. And then they get involved in it. It's like, oh, what am I doing here? And it's like, well, it's a business. In the same way, if you were to go into the financial industry or education industry, for example, you would need to know what you're doing. So, yeah, research and, yeah, learn your craft. That's really, that's really, that's really good. When you say, yeah, no, that... You've just got a lot of cogs um, things going through my mind there. I can see Alison just nodding away <laughs> to you. As a singer-songwriter, what inspires you to write and about what? So I think there's different ways of writing. Some people prefer to write words before melody, or some people come up with melody first and the words come afterwards. For me as a songwriter, I tend, I'm a melody person. So I will come with the melody first and then the lyrics will kind of work their way out afterwards for me. But what I would say in terms of inspiration, I find inspiration from everything. It sounds really strange, but, you know, for example, I remember, I recall being in a studio once and they had like this kind of calendar thing on the wall and there was like a little saying at the end of it and I kind of read that and I was like, oh, actually, I, that has got my mind thinking. I can write a song based on what this quotation was saying. Sometimes as a songwriter, it will be directly through experience you've had yourself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I don't, it's going to sound really controversial, but sometimes you'll hear songwriters saying, you know, I had to experience it in order to write about it. And I don't think that's true. Mm. I don't think that you have to experience, for example, love to be able to write about love. You've read enough books to know what love generally means or you've seen love throughout your friends or your parents or your siblings so you don't need to necessarily experience something to be able to write about it I think that you can you can write about anything as long as you have an understanding about what you're writing about that's interesting I think that's a title for a debate <laughs> for an episode of a pod, uh, another podcast or a live stream or something like that and things you teach young children. What yeah. age do you teach? So I teach children all the way from the age of seven all the way through to 18. Okay. So it's for a, a company which is called Jigsaw, and their ethos is about instilling confidence within children through performing arts. So they have bases all across London. Um, the one that the branch I teach for is in Ealing, and I love it. It's rewarding in many different ways because there's children that when I first started teaching there wouldn't sing anything you know they were really quite scared about performing and just the term just gone we put on a performing arts evening and all of those children who would never perform got up to perform and they were doing solos so it goes to show that through encouragement and through teaching them a skill because the thing that I always tell people is even if even if you learn singing and you don't want to be a singer the skills that you will learn from it can help you in so many other different ways whether it's public speaking 
or just general confidence because having to having to sing which most people wouldn't tell you it's quite a daunting yeah it can be a daunting experience for most people but once you've actually push through that barrier and done it even once or twice you will notice that there will be other gains that you will have in other aspects of your life so as I said yeah teaching is extremely rewarding for me as I said because I can see the material benefit that my students get from from the classes that they attend okay so what you're teaching in essence is a life skill Definitely. I think sing, I think any of those disciplines, singing, dancing or drama, all life skills. I mean, you know, I went to a place called Week, the Weekend Arts College in North London. It was originally in Belsize Park. Well, no, it is in Belsize Park now, isn't it? Or Manor House, can't quite remember. But I went there for a number of years and I'm eternally grateful for going there because not only did it teach me singing skills, but it also gave me the confidence skills that allow me now to be able to pass that on to somebody else. So there's always something that I believe that you gain from learning any of those disciplines or skills as such. What have been the biggest trials slash tribulations that you've had to learn for yourself while teaching young people to sing or come out of their shell? I think one of the biggest things that you, in terms of a trial, is patience. <laughs> you really need to have a lot of patience when it comes to teaching singing because everybody's on a different level and you can't, you know, there's no kind of one you know one box fits everybody everyone learns at a different rate and you have to kind of adjust your teaching according to the students that you have so I'd say that's one of the biggest things out of anything how did you mm. adapt to that though I think for me it was a case of having conversations with my fellow teachers it was getting an understanding of how are they you know are they experiencing any issues in terms of you know some of the teaching with some of the students in the class and then you kind of kind of adjust it that way but also you adjust it through having conversations with your students one of the key things that I always say to people is everything starts with a conversation mm -hmm. you're never going to know if if someone is struggling or if they need additional assistance in any in anything really without talking to them so with all of my students I make sure that before we even start class one of the very first things I ask them is how's your week been so I get a feeling of how they've coped throughout the week at school for example and how are they feeling right now in that particular moment and if they're not feeling great then I'd be like okay cool let's go and have a quick conversation outside while the rest of the students do a bit of a warm-up and then you bring them back in and nine times out of ten they're raring to go for the remainder of the class are these working class kids or are they a mixture? Of it's a mixture. It's a, it is a mixture. So we do have, you know, I'd mostly be say majority of working class children and then you have a smattering of those who aren't. But one thing I have to say is, is that they, is, they don't treat each other in any different kind of way. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody, there's a great camaraderie amongst all of them mm -hmm. and they all support each other. So, yeah, they fully encourage each other, which is lovely to see. And they all go for the R&B kind of music? No, actually, you'd be quite, you'd be quite surprised. So you have, when we did the talent show, we had some children doing R&B numbers, but then we also had a couple of kids that wanted to do some rock songs, which was really cool. So yes, but it was quite interesting to have like the mix of songs that we had in there. So there was like pop numbers, R&B numbers, rock numbers, you know, everyone kind of did a, a bit of everything. We're coming to the end of the journey. You've been a great guest. Thank what you. What I want you to do now, so mm -hmm. that's all my guests, I want to hear a song, a verse, oh, okay. something you've sung, something that you love. Something I and love. Wow. Also, I'd love to know what, <laughs> who's your 
idol who's alive who you'd love to be able to sing with? Wow, okay, so who is alive that I would love to sing with? It's a hard one because there are so many incredible singers out there. If we're talking, you know, someone modern and of now, there is an amazing American singer, his name is Avery Wilson, can sing the house down, like literally the, the man, that man can literally sing anything. So it'd be incredible to sing with him. But from an iconic point of view, I'd most likely say he's alive would be Stevie Wonder. I mean, it would be just an absolute honor to share a stage with him. So yeah, those would be my two choices. And from the UK, it would be Angel. So if I was choosing someone from the UK, I'd love to sing with him. Okay, and now your opportunity to oh. sell yourself. You don't know who's <laughs> listening to this podcast episode. That's true. So is this a song of my own or a song? Well, uh, yeah, song of your own. Song of my own. Okay, uh, let me have a think for a moment. I never thought that I would feel this way. Until you walked right in I, I was caught upon dreams of yesterday Until the walls caved in Now you've turned my life around Now I'm back on solid ground You see I'm grateful You've made me able To fly again To fly again What am I to do to tell you Just how beautiful you are my guiding star oh raindrops may fall the sun may go away again but you will remain my friend from here till the very end oh yeah the leaves they may fall all around me but inside I know that you're the only one I'll ever need oh, In your arms I see my destiny That's very good, very good, very, very good. <laughs> my last question to you, yeah. just one last one. If you could give the world a gift mm -hmm. from your life experience, what would that be? If I could give the world a gift, can it be two things or is it just one? <laughs> it can be two if you don't two. want to be that generous. Peace and happiness. Okay. I firmly believe that everyone in life should be happy. And whatever you choose to, whatever you decide what that happiness is, that is what it should be for you. And peace, because there's enough pain and destruction in the world. And yeah, we just kind of need to come together. I know that sounds extremely cliche. But that's my firm belief that, yeah, peace and happiness. Where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Armstrong Official, so A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G, official. It's the same handle for Twitter as well. So, yeah, you can find me on there. Yeah, hit me up. Give me a shout. You want some songs written? Give, you know, let me know. I'm also part of a songwriting collective called Secret Pen. So you can find us on Instagram as well, at Secret Pen. And yeah, we can write absolutely anything. You've got pop, R&B, rock, gospel, you name it, we can do it for you. So yeah, give us a shout. Well, thanks a lot for Thank that. Thank you. And we wish you well. And to our listeners out there, don't forget to check out our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, where we interview people from around the world who've invested in Africa and hear their true life experience from the ups and the downs 
about what it's like to invest in Africa. Have a nice day. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.